0: In today's podcast we touch on something that I have enormous amount of passion for is absolutely the foundation of my business success which is culture, HR, people. I'm flabbergasted that people don't understand how a successful long-term business plays, which is you have to establish the culture. You have to drive through optimism. You have to suffocate out negativity. You have to create a framework, a container, a structure, a strategy, an implementation on how you put people first while still building a business. So many people pick money over people and that's fine in the short term. You look profitable in the short term. But in the fucking long game, you will see how this dividends play out every single time, people over profit, till the end. This is the Gary Vee Audio Experience. Clayton wants to know, how do you push your team beyond their best? great question. Way to start off 2015. Good questions. Uh, for, oh, actually, I picked this one, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> who knows who Barry Horowitz is? But <laughs> well that was so subconscious, too. It was a good question. I thought we should do it. Um, I really, really, really think that the best way to push somebody above their own means is to guilt them into it. And I know that's a weird kind of answer, but it is my honest belief that the thing that drives, first of all, everybody's driven by different things. So the real answer to your question is to use your ear, right? D-Rock, zoom in to my ear, right? You know, the ear is the key in this scenario because the truth is the way to push somebody above their limits is to actually have individual conversations with them about what is their holy you know, grail, right? Like, what do they want to accomplish? Like, India and I, I, like, I have a good feel of some of India's long-term career ambitions. And like, that gives me, first of all, her knowing that we've even had that conversation in and itself gives her a little bit more confidence to work harder because she's trying to get what she wants out of it professionally and knowing that I'm the person that could most likely make that happen, at least in the context of this world, that, just even having the conversation puts her in a better spot. Um, but some people are, are literally rawly driven by straight cash. Like truly, like, like you want to push somebody? like You carrot, like hey, I know you love cash. I'll give you 10,000 more if you like, you know like, and so you've got to find out what makes people tick. I'm so not motivated by cash, that so many people try to get me to do things, JV with me, invest in things, uh, do things, speak at things, because they, and they think cash is the, the, the way to do it. And listen, I love the cash, um, but it's not my biggest driver, and I make a lot of decisions based on legacy, um, long-term impact uh, on myself, by the way, not like long-term global impact. You know, uh, you know that's not, not how I think. I mean, I think there's a byproduct of that, but that's not the number one thing for me. But To answer the question in a general form, I truly do believe the best way to get that is to guilt. And what I mean by guilt, it's a variation of listening, which is not only listening, but delivering in a world where so few people even begin to listen, let alone delivering on that listening. And once you start doing that, people start realizing, let me tell you what's happening at Vayner, it's not super confusing. I know exactly what's going on in this company. It's starting to get old enough that there's enough things happening for enough people that it's really easy to point to Phil Toronto or to somebody else and be like, wait a minute, we're Steve Unwin. Like You can start pointing to, oh crap, that person wanted that, that person's getting that, that person's happy as crap, I want that. And so, it's listening and then delivering which then creates a scenario where people want to over-deliver because the only way somebody will over-deliver for you, because you asked a very selfish question, how can I get my team to over-deliver for me? For my thing, it's very simple. The best way to get them to over-deliver, John? I have Jack, if that's a substitute. No, Jack is not a substitute. Okay. I know where you're thinking, but okay. like, no, that's not a substitute. Okay, we're on around the hunt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the only way to get somebody to over-deliver is to attack their own selfishness, theirs. You're selfish because you want more out of your team to help you. Well, the best way to get that to happen is to overdeliver against their selfishness. I do believe that guilt is a huge driver because it, there's something that I, I believe in human beings. I mean, some people don't have self-awareness or empathy or these emotional feelings, but so many people, like, it's amazing to me now living 20 years professionally, like, how many people are not confused eventually. They may be emotional at the time you fire them or not reward them, but boy, every time I run into somebody four, seven, nine years down the line, I've had a very good track record of them saying, yeah, I know why you did that, or, I mean, like crazy stuff, like, I had a drug problem. (laughs) I mean, like, there was, like, you know, stuff. Life, right? So, I would answer your question uh, like I have before on this show, and if you haven't heard me say it, I'll say it again. The single best way to win is to give 51% of the relationship if there was a jury of 500 people that they would all agree that you've given 51% to the relationship and you have to be good enough to know what to do with the other 49. So I would attack their own selfishness, I would make it so good for them that you've guilted them in delivering and be very prepared in your stomach by making it awesome and them under delivering, still being entitled to think they did deliver and then you being disappointed you listened to the Gary Vee Show and he told you and he's so great, at least you think so, thank you very much, and you did it and then all four of these people who you gave $10,000 raises to yesterday, a month later are doing the same crap they did and it didn't motivate them at all. Or you gave them four weeks off instead of one week off and they're still just as crappy. Or you like got them a babysitter and you pay for it and they still aren't. Gratitude and all these wonderful Human characteristics are not guaranteed, but the best way for you to have it happen is to consistently keep trying to do it for that person. And then, look, I just had a meeting with all these characters, right? And but the rest of the team, and I was like, look, like you may not win on this team, like 2015. I want to take it up another notch, and the consolation prize is you get to work for one of the best companies in the world. But like, you just might not be able to be on this team. Like, you've got to be upfront. You've got to be fair. You gotta know when you're setting up people for victory, and when not, you gotta do that, and then you get to judge, not beforehand. Way too many of you are making the mistake yourself. You didn't train, you didn't put the person in a position to succeed, you're not communicating properly on what you expect, you're not shooting it straight, you're scared to hurt feelings, you're too much of a dick. It could be a million different reasons why it's not happening, but it is always going to be the greatest form of meritocracy that you can create, and it starts with your ear, and it, and, it, and it finishes, in my opinion, on a second step move of you actually delivering on that, call people's bluffs. I live life on calling people's bluffs. Oh, you'll really crush it if you have another person? Here, now, you have to be good enough, back to that 49%, to afford to give somebody that person. Right, you may not have that situation, but you might have to make a decision. One of the quickest ways I grew Wine Library was by making $30,000 a year for five years in a row. Because I took all those monies and I called people's bluffs. And when they let me down, do you think it hurt my feelings that I wasn't making 45 instead of 30? It sure did. But did I have my eye on the big prize? I sure did. Now I get to pay double that salary to speak for one hour because I belt long term because I was 23 years old. Right? You've got to know where you're at. If you're 83 and you're watching the show, first of all, big ups old dog. And second of all, <laughs> and second of all, You know, maybe you don't need to play the long game and invest as much. Maybe it's time to cash out. I have these weird feelings that in my 80s I'm gonna be rogue as crap and just like take because I just gave for so long. I don't know. You've heard me say that that's my concern, but I can tell you this. (sighs) Most of the reasons, let me phrase If they work for you, all of the reasons that they're not over-delivering against their best, all of those reasons are your fault. So you've, we've heard about your thought on social media, and you also say you hire uh, 280 people in two years. How do you build a culture? How do you make sure that the people you bring in have the same view as you have uh, on, on social media, at Media? Very easy. I'm the head of HR, comma, CEO, right? I spend anywhere between two to four hours a day with talking to employees. We don't have a head of HR still. Because the only way to instill the culture for me is through dictatorship, right? So I want them to have a sense of values. And listen, we're a very interesting company. I tell... Everybody, I value how you care about the other boys and girls in this company more than how skilled you are. And people think I'm joking because it's a nice thing to say, but then it doesn't get executed. It gets executed in my building. We've fired some of the most talented people because they weren't willing to be the culture fits that I want. Because ultimately, I want to do for VaynerMedia what I did with Wine Library. The reason I was able to leave Wine Library and that 60 million dollar business is because the culture was set and it didn't collapse with me leaving, and it's true family. I want to be able to continue to do other businesses, so I'm okay with not letting it get too big, or as big as it can be up front. Back to what I talked about earlier, which is I'm constantly in marathon mode, not in sprint mode, so I'm willing to leave 20 to 50 million dollars on the table with this company because I'm spending way t- more time than I should as a CEO on HR issues because it's gonna pay me dividends in 10 years. It's like the same old story. It's like parenting. This is all like parenting. you know. When your 15 year old comes home high and smashed the car and all fucked up and you grab your spouse and say, honey, we've gotta talk about the kid, it's over. You should've talked about the kid when the kid was five, six, seven, eight and you didn't give a fuck and you were going on vacations or work too much. This is about parenting. You've gotta put in the work in the first 10 years to get the dividends in the back 10 years. Thank you, Paris. Gary, yeah, who's your second in command? Um, at VaynerMedia today? Sure. Uh, I would say it's Claude Silver. Okay. She's our chief hard officer. I think when you're when you have seven hundred employees and you're selling people, that's the asset. And so when you were talking about culture, I was laughing because you're like, it's awesome. I'm like, I wonder what the other five thousand people think, yeah. right? Because culture is a one-person thing. Right. And so when I think about culture, I'm sure you agree. Like I. I know that we're trying so, so hard, way, way more than norm, but I don't know what it means to all 700. We ask and we're, we're counter punchers. We don't push it, we respond to it. And so at Vayner, it's Claude Silver as chief hard officer. Then I would say it's James Orsini who's our chief operating officer. Uh, What's a bigger business, Wine Library or VaynerMedia? VaynerMedia. And so I watched you grow that from 12 people. Yep. That was the first time we kind of worked together. That's right. People. Uh, and I have kind of understood some of the pain that you've gone through but what's been the hardest thing about that? Oh, I, what I, actually what I really want to say is you've operated smaller businesses, what's it like to actually run? What is, I mean when you walk into the new space you're blown away. What is it like to operate? So far That's so good. I mean you know, the, the hardest part and how, what it feels like is the same answer which is how do you get buy-in at scale? It's a lot easier to get 30 people to buy into you and your vision than it is 500 and 700. It's fun for me to see four or five of them in here and they're all in different parts of their career at Vayner right now and different challenges career, or opportunities. Did you ever have to think about mapping people's careers before? I've always thought about that. I, I literally reverse engineer every single person. I have context of how they came from, the conversations we've had, who their mentors were before, what they thought. Emily's mom thought that we were some mafioso thing. Um, like, like, you know, I know who Sam's, Sam's mentor was. I understand where Lisa worked in a, a traditional agency for 14 years. I know that Garrett went to the same school as my children. Like I know shit. Like I am the head of HR, comma, CEO. And so, always, Wine Library, VaynerMedia, and everything I do forever, it's only a people game. Everything else continues to get commoditized by technology. This is a human thing. We are humans. We are the ultimate species. We've won. It's us. And Amen. we are the game. And so, yes, I have thought about that. I think the reason we built one of the fastest growing agencies ever is because of that part of it. Um, and uh, the biggest challenge was getting buy-in, knowing that knowing that at 200 people, there were so many people that didn't believe me that thought, oh, tomorrow I'm gonna do something bad or I'm doing this because I wanna buy the Jets and I don't care about them or whatever it may be. Um, And it's been a lot of fun for me because now we're a little further along and everybody who's been waiting every day that it doesn't switch, it doesn't turn, it doesn't become about the money, they aren't forced to do things, we keep listening. You know, it's like gaining trust, right? And so now we've got, We are much tighter and stronger at 700 than we were at 250 which is usually the other way but that's what happens when you actually double down on it and when the stories translate. And it's not always perfect. Even the people in this room, it's not clicking perfectly right this second but you put in the effort. You put in the effort and you play a forever game. You treat them just as well on the way out and forever and help and it's just, it's a people game. Yeah, I've always thought that. It's really the only move I've got. I can attest to that. Brandon asks, why are the reviews for VaynerMedia on Glassdoor so bad? So this one's tough for me. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why our reviews on Glassdoor for VaynerMedia are not as good as they should be or the reality of our culture. I think, uh, first of all, I think it has a lot to do with many different things. First of all, anonymous websites, right? So you look at Secret and Whisper and Anonymous, you're going to get people that are willing to go to extremes when nobody can figure out who that person is. Uh, So anonymous leads to it. Two, we've gone from 30 to 650 people in four years. There's a lot of pain in that and a lot of people that um, uh, are employees struggle with the constant change and the different decision making. I move very quickly and a lot of times I don't do the greatest job explaining my actions to everybody and I think that creates, you know, I think a lot of movement, a lot of structural changes creates um, a lot of angst for people that are more comfortable and it's easy for the entrepreneur, it's harder for the employees. Uh, three, I think cynicism is unfortunately quite powerful. So I think that, um, I think that uh, that's the case. I think some of the early ones back in 2011 uh, are just. I think I did a bad job. I wasn't really the active CEO of Vayner and I don't think we micromanaged our youngest talent. So I feel good, I mean I feel bad but good about the ones that are in 11 I think the last. 15 of them, and I read them all 50 times a month, um, are coming from employees that I don't think we saw the world the same way. I mean, you know, I don't know what people expect from former employees, but if they're fired or if they quit, they obviously don't feel great about the business, and and that's okay. I mean, I think you go look at any, this is why I think Yelp and Glassdoor and all these anonymous sites struggle because what you don't have is I'm not going to do what most companies do, which try to incentivize their employees to leave positive reviews to offset the negative reviews. That's not going to happen. I I use them as feedback loops, even though we try here. But like, these are people that, you know, are not happy with the way we're doing things. But I think the problem is the silent majority. It's kind of like the Britain exit. You know, I have so many friends who are like, I wish I voted. I mean, you had a chance, but you didn't. I think I think it's politics, right? There's a lot of people that don't talk about their views on. You, know, you, hear, you, know, you look in the internet, you see the loud minorities uh, dictate a narrative. And then the punchline is mainly, I think everything starts from the top which is I actually like having a bad review on Glassdoor. I think that any individual that takes an anonymous website of former employees and, and people say they're current employees that are former, I had somebody who I did a nice thing for call me and say, look, I just want you to know something. When I left a bad, this was somebody I did something nice for a year after they were fired. Um, They called me because they felt guilty and said, I left a really nasty review because I felt that was unfair. I was super immature and I also left it as a current employee because I thought that would hurt you more. So like, you know, I think that anybody who would stay out of Um, a company, any company looking at, Vayner or what have you because of Glassdoor or any other anonymous site as the proxy to what's actually happening there is exactly the kind of people that I want to keep out. It's people that are playing checkers versus chess. They're so, I don't want to say basic minded because I don't want to razz but like I don't understand how somebody wouldn't understand that this is an anonymous site of people that are (laughs) the least happy about something. So I think there's a lot of reasons we have a, a, a tough review there. They don't make me happy. I'm really upset when people are uh, unhappy with things but I'll be honest with you, when you're the CEO of a company that has gone through thousands of employees over the last four years, I've had a lot more conversations one-on-one of somebody saying that they're mad at me or they don't like things and they're saying it to my face. That hurts even kind of more because I respect them so much for going that route and I want to fix it for them. You know, I'm in the firefighting business. Like, Everything is always hard. There's always problems. Um, But I'm pretty confident about what's actually happening here. Um, I think that shows in its results. I think when you look at the macro turnover rates here, voluntary turnover is what I look at. We're crushing the market. People aren't leaving because they want, you know, because they don't like it here. And so, there's always going to be a percentage of people that don't like um, certain things. And I don't think I'm perfect, or this company is perfect, especially because we're always making different changes. But I know that no CEO or organization has more intent to have people talk to us about it. Some people. look at my own father. Some people keep things inside and will never share it. And so I can't fix what I don't know and then when it doesn't work out whether on their choice or our choice because they kept that poison in, a lot of those same people can't communicate in real life but love to go on anonymous site and and get that poison out. And to be very frank with you, I actually love Glassdoor for A helping me not allow people to come in that have low EQ and are looking at it on a basic level and B I'm happy that those people are able to get their poison of what they feel about me or VaynerMedia out of their body and move on just like I talked about in the beginning. Um, I hope it helps and I hope I hope with that out they can take a step back, look at the big picture and maybe reach out to me and continue our relationship. I'm very proud of my relationship with a lot of former employees that left on bad terms and I will continue to do that forever because I care about my legacy because I'm more selfish about that than the money and things of that nature and, it's, and, and by the way you know, as somebody who's very close to their business, I would say I'm, I'm 70% sure of the exact person that leaves every review and there's a lot of, I'm never, I'm never confused, you know, like it just makes sense, like sometimes things don't go well, um, inner people relationships and things of that nature and so, it is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge because I care so much but uh, if you're watching this and you're currently at Vayner or used to be at Vayner, and you still have negativity in you, I'm super available. I'm Gary at VaynerMedia. I've always been available. I'll always be available. And I think that, that to me is much more interesting. You know, I'm not worried about the perception. Glassdoor's 2.6 rating on VaynerMedia isn't stopping the thousand applications a week we're getting or the growth of my company. I care way more about the 20 people that are upset with me or this. I'm here to fix it forever if there's actually something to fix, and even if there's not. We just hired our first chief creative officer. I spent six months trying to find the person that, and this was the order of what mattered to me. First, emotional intelligence. When I tell you that I don't respect talent, it would upset you. It's stunning when I run my business how secondary pure talent is to people skills. This notion that some creative is so fucking special that they can be a douchebag and fuck up the entire place is the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I'm very unpopular in tech land. I did it again at South by where I was like fuck Steve Jobs. I don't want to run an indus- a business where being mean brings the best out of, I don't give a shit if you're a creative genius. Fucking act like a normal person you asshole. <laughs> I believe continuity trumps everything. Continuity. You know, it's just like sports. A team that stays together usually beats a team with superstars that were put together for one season. And I believe that. And I love continuity at Vayner. We have enormous continuity already for a young company and I want to keep it forever because I give a shit. Rice is now living in London, like she's going to be part of the London team because four years ago when she started working for me, I'm like, what do you want? She's like, I want to be in London. And I'm like, cool, if we ever go there, you'll go there and then I did it. Like you do, Like. you And by the way, I don't care if you're driven by money or by Work-life balance, or by creative output. I individually at 650 care about what you care about, and I also know when you get married, you're going to care about different shit. You know, so we are an HR-driven organization. I needed to find a CCO that understood that, so that was a challenge. When you know, especially when you're looking from, and I was looking for somebody from a world like this because I wanted to taste what a seasoned veteran from a Wyden, from a Crispin, you know, from looked like. You know, what what did that feel like internally. Alistair, thank you so much. Uh, one of the toughest things to do here, it scares me to know right now somebody's on the phone with somebody who has a slightly wrong or off tweak on the one minute transition of Instagram video or the new Snapchat messaging or the ability to caption Twitter uh, posts and pictures now. And so I'm a, I'm very, um, I'm concerned and come up with emailing the whole team, asking them to watch my content. Uh, I'm gonna be doing a recap of my own content and learnings and thoughts over the last 30 days. We did an internal podcast for a while. We're trying a lot of different hacks, all hands-on meetings, uh, breakout groups, lunch and learns. But the truth is there's vulnerability because it's a human situation. And so (laughs) here's a big one. I'm not crippled by them doing the wrong thing. I'm not crippled by Ricky Magoo right now being on a call with a client and saying the wrong thing because it just plays itself out. Meaning, either we have to apologize to the client and, and say, look, Ricky gave the wrong advice and that's a human vulnerability and we could get fired and things of that nature. But I, I recognize the inefficiencies in hum, human communications and I own them and I know that 89.7% of the time we're 100% on point, You know, 7% of the time um, you know, we're doing a really good job and 3.3% of the time we're not and I can live with that and that's a net net game. That's the other day when I said speed is better than perfection when you're running a big company the way you get to 650 instead of nine is you don't worry about every person having everything exactly right plus you need to leave a little room for them to do their thing. You know. The Mark Evans and the Katie Hankinsons and the Matt Siegels of the world, these are talented people. Steve Babcock, my new Chief Creative Officer, these are talented people. They need to have their slight iterations. They're allowed to disagree a little bit with me. It's not, it's not called Gary Vaynerchuk, this is VaynerMedia. And VaynerMedia is a collective of us and so um, those are two ways I actually get through that and I think a lot of you can learn in management and leadership from that answer. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. The podcast has been exploding. So many of you are new. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. And please, 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 you know, if I bring you any value, it would just mean the world to me if you passed it on. Like screen shooting your screen right now and posting it on Instagram stories or on a tweet or on LinkedIn. I'm just so desperate for the explosion of the podcast because I bring it brings so much value and and If you can do anything, so many of you, like literally 10,000 DMs and emails a week, what can I do for you? I'm not looking for anything. You don't need to buy the sneakers. You don't need to buy the, the, the books. You don't need to do anything. But passing on my content just means the world to me. So please do if you think it's worth it.